Hello and welcome to Digging Deep with Stephen Gonzo, episode two. Hi, Steve. <laughs> hey, Gonzo. I guess this is going to be the podcast where we reach out to people from the world we grew up in. <laughs> <laughs> so far, that's exactly it. But, you know, we, we want to reach out to people that have had an impact in our life yeah. in some way. And Joe, we had him on. He was someone that really had a big impact. And our guest tonight, Brian Pryor, is another person that had a really big impact. I know on all of us, but I had he had a really big impact on me. And so I was really excited to have him come on. Absolutely. And he's like, he's here with us like right now. looking at him. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what impact I really have. <laughs> so I kind of wanted to start with that. Brian moved into the Crescent Fifth Ward in Sandy. I want to say around the year 2000. 2000, November 2000, yep. In the year 2000. <laughs> yeah, and... Uh, <laughs> I know that one. <laughs> <laughs> so Steve and I were like, we were 14 years old. And I think right away, Brian got put into the young man. Yes. And you were, in, in one form of another, one of our young men leaders until... Uh, until we were no longer the young man. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You guys, uh, I was your young man's varsity scout coach and then I got moved up to the crew chief and then you guys got, uh, put in the elders quorum as you guys are turning 18. And then I got put in the elders quorum, uh, for a little bit. And then you guys went on your missions and then I got put in the bishopric after that. How was it being with Jack Love all the time? I love Jack Love, man. <laughs> Jack Love and I, I still go over to Jack Love's house, and we have uh, talks every couple Sundays, and uh, I talk with him quite a bit. Yeah, I so love that. He's, I love he's that. my good friend. Good. But I wanted to say, I mean, thank you. I appreciate the service that you gave while we were young, and it was impactful for me. Talks about how do we define integrity. Talks about how to interview for a job. Uh, talks about decency. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, those things I still carry with me, and I want to thank you for that. Well, you're welcome. I I had a uh, I had a good time with that. It was a learning experience for me as well. And you guys, you guys made it fun. That's that's the thing. You guys were an adventurous group, the four of you. Uh, so. That was an enjoyable time. You guys were like my my adopted sons on that. Uh, matter of fact, uh, my oldest son thought you guys were brothers. <laughs> you know, and then he was ready to move on to quorum activities with you guys. I said, no, you're like, you're like eight years behind him. <laughs> so, yeah. No, it, would, it was great having him come to camps with us, and uh, we love yeah, he, all your kids. Like, he had as much camping days before he was a scout to qualify for his camping merit badge. So, but he just kind of miffed that he didn't get his camping merit badge right off the bat. But he had to recamp again. So, yeah, yeah, he was always there. He was always there, and like I feel like we were always at your house. You guys are just so nice to let us come over and be super annoying. Well, you, you know, <laughs> surely thought really in all honesty when, when I was time to, to give. Jacob is baby blessing. I was going to name him Jacob Steven She goes, right at that, she goes, don't you dare do it. <laughs> so. It's Jacob Ryan Pryor, though, right? Yeah. 
Jacob Stephen Gonzo, Gus Van Bryan. So it just like rolls off. The top. It does. It rolls right off, and I still call him that sometimes. But, but uh, yeah, but Shirley goes, "Don't you dare do that." <laughs> I just I want to say for those that have no idea what Gonzo was talking about, like so you you had a business upper limit, yeah, and. As our young men's leader, you would take us there from time to time. You would do things like sit us down and actually have us do job interviews. Yeah. And you were training us for real world type stuff. Like, hey, try to sell me this basketball. Yeah. And I remember like to this day, I'm still the same way. Like I went into all the details about the ball and then Gus is like, I'll sell it to you for a dollar cheaper. And you're like, boom. <laughs> like, Gus is my better businessman than I am. And, uh, you would have us give talks at camps and you'd be like, I want you to give a five minute talk on decency. Yeah. And then we would have discussions like us 14, 15, 16 year old kids about what is a decent person. And that's, uh, Gonzo and I, we still talk about this. Like we hang out all the time and we talk about these types of things where it's like, that happened 20 years ago. And those little moments have really been impactful. And I think about, you know, in my mind, I'm a lot younger than 36, but it's like, I'm 36. Like we're, we're young men's leaders at church or in the neighborhood. And people now see us as like those weird old guys that we used to see these guys in their thirties and forties as our leaders. And I'm just really grateful for the opportunity that I had. I don't know. I know a lot of people have ups and downs and different types of experiences. And I feel bad when people don't have good experiences, but I feel like we, had top notch like we couldn't have had a better experience with leaders like you that just wanted us to grow up to be decent contributing men in the world it was like because you said we were like adopted children but i feel like that's actually very apt because you were mentoring us like fathers um and we felt that i also saw how you treated your children and you were an example of fatherhood and I saw how you the relationship between you and your wife and that was a good example of like how you guys would talk to each other and and like goof around and and be fun and friendly and and those were those were good examples for me to see well thank you yeah but you know what you guys I don't know it was kind of weird I don't know if you guys know this but in the ward when I first moved in, you know, I was working. Phil Leatherwood, who was in the high priest group, he came to visit my my wife and to welcome her to the ward. But Phil Leatherwood was my eighth grade math teacher. Oh wow! At Union Middle School, I didn't know that. <laughs> and so he goes, "Oh, your husband's Brian." He goes, "Yes." Yeah. Well, he was in my math class, and Shirley's like, "I hope." That was a good thing, <laughs> but uh, but when I got home, uh, they I got a phone call right away from the bishop and said, "Hey, we'd like you to come and see us." And then I was a young men's leader right off the bat. But the first thing I realized is that it was just kind of one of those things that comes to you by personal inspiration. But you just say these these boys need your your best on that and so I looked at Steve and Gonzo Gus and Sven and I thought what a bunch of cruds no I'm just kidding <laughs> no but uh, I just looked at you you guys I don't know got attached to you and you know I, I knew each one of you came from a different family background and you had different strengths and stuff but you guys had some characters that I thought man that was fantastic to work with and I miss that because there's some things with the youth today they're different from your generation's times attitude like you guys were like fearless 
in a lot of different things. You know, I joke around, but it's all serious. You guys just went after things, you know, um, like rolling the tire from the hill down <laughs> and not really worrying if it went through camp or not. <laughs> um, throwing things in the fire and not worrying if it was toxic or not. Um, I still remember the service project at Camp Tomahawk or whatever. It says, okay, our service project is to knock, knock down, down trees. trees. You know, okay. You, and you did, but it wasn't for an hour and a half. It was for four hours because you had that one tree at the top of the hill. You, you, we're going to tip this thing over. Yeah, but it's four feet thick. We're still going to get it. And you did. And so, you know, th- those are things like I said, man, you guys are awesome. And then the teeter-totter you guys made. Every, <laughs> that's a 20-foot log stuck in between a split one, you know, and, and you guys made that teeter-totter and you about killed each other off, but it was good, you know. I, I just... I remember, like, CJ just, like, falling, like, hitting him right, right in the nuts. Oh, I'm surprised <laughs> any of you actually are going to have kids, but but you did. Yeah, and that's awesome. So, I mean, there was a lot of adventures, um, and... You know, sometimes I was wondering if I was up to the task. Like, uh, there's one time I went into Bishop Nyberg, so I don't know if I'm making a difference or not. You know, so I just give it some time. So, okay. But, yeah, you guys, I would give everything for you guys if I could. And I do the same thing for the youth today. Um, they're a little different, so it's a little harder for me. But, I mean, we get along, so we're good. So what are you um, What are you doing with the youth? What, what do you do now? Well, I'm Bishop. So I am the young men's the president. The bishop is the young men's president now, yeah. So I, you know, you know how we said I asked you guys what you want to do for camps. Yeah, and I do the same thing. So like the one of the young men goes, I want to learn to golf. I said okay, so we set up two weeks where we learned how to what the golf rules were and everything. And then the next week we got some clubs and some balls, and we, uh, we well we did that the experiment of that one week, and then we went to top golf and. To hit the driving range, and now I have, I have five boys in our group that are act, that are active, and I have four guys that are interested in golfing now instead of just one. Hmm. One kid goes, I really want to learn how to hunt. I said I could teach you, but I can't take you out with a gun yet. <laughs> so we had a whole camp of one week. We prep. We learned how to use a uh, uh, binoculars, spotting scopes, and stuff, we, and, and range finders, and then we went on this camp. Uh, and it was so hard to find a campground, but we found one and we thought, I don't know, this is going to work. We went up the next morning, just on a drive up this Canyon and out come like three moose, five elk, (laughs) six deer, two coyotes. They're like, this just does not happen in real life all the time. But they're like, wow, you know, it's so easy. And 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 there's this farm with this white spot still just laying in the grass on the side of the road. Like, like what? You know, we know the leaders. Like, this never happens, and these and kids like, are like, "Where's my gun?" Yeah. Well, not even that. They're like, you know, okay. Then we had our gun safety class because they all want to learn how to shoot. And then uh, we had uh, a fishing camp, and uh, you guys know uh, Lindsay Quinney, right? Yeah. So her boy Logan has never caught a fish in his whole life, and so we go up to Strawberry, and we're thinking, okay, hope this works. He casts out, and he's struggling. He's not catching anything, and neither is uh, his friend Landon. And we're saying patience, patience. And I'm, I'm just like Landon's about ready to throw his pole down and break it and stuff. I said, just and I said, let me 
Right, and let me cast this out for you. So I cast it out. I said, hold on to this. I'm talking to him. I got my arm around him. He says, you got to have patience, man. You know, you can't control the fish. And all of a sudden, his pole goes, whack! <laughs> and Logan goes, I got one, too! And they both reel in two pounders. This was oh, like, wow. <laughs> so, I thought for sure you were going to say they caught each other. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, they did not. So we ended up catching a lo- eight or ten fish, and they're all two pounders and above. And, and me and the leader got just, just, does not happen regularly, but we've had some good camps on that, and now we're uh, we're on you know our fall, fall activities and stuff. So it's kind of the same. I'm trying to do the same things. Um, the uh, youth program allows me to do it in without having the scouting program, which I love the scouting program, but the youth program is much better for young men development. It gives you more freedom, but uh, the young men's the COVID thing is really kind of. You know, guys are like, I don't want to get dirty. I'm like, you got to get dirty, dude. So That's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So I, I would never have the same at, um, thing of like, hey, let's go tip down trees. Yeah! You know, they're like, really? <laughs> like if you went to Saratoga Springs now and tried to roll rocks down the hill, like you'd hit Gonzo's house. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we used to roll rocks down this yeah, hill. You, you guys kind of live where we used to like, I just love the West Desert. <laughs> yeah, we got attached to that canyon. You should have bought it. So, yeah. <laughs> that, was a, that was a good canyon, man. I, I miss not being able to go up there because, uh, you know, speaking of Joe Staker, he's one of my uh, young men mentors. And uh, Gary Curtis was another one that, that really kind of taught me about time and involvement and interest and stuff. So, that was, that was a fun canyon. A lot of adventures yeah. in that canyon. <laughs> Chasing rockets in the fog. <laughs> Lots of moving people. You know what? Yeah. That, that, that was another funny experience from my end because, you know, Bishop Nyberg, hardly ever went on camps and he was not a camper like a lot of former bishops but uh, just to go pick him up and we we're talking about some serious stuff on the way up and we just come over this rise so there's four white moons just sitting right there and I'm like going I just had my hand over my mouth I'm like trying hard not to laugh but I'm seeing him and he's like going what is up with that you know well you know all four of us get a, got called into the bishop's office I know it Sunday and, you know, we're reading probably something about some verse in the Bible not about no, yeah, not <laughs> not exposing yourself or something. Yeah, something I in Exodus. And uh, <laughs> we're walking out. We were all like, I remember had, being really good at not like having a straight face throughout it. But like no. Sven was like dying the whole time. He's like trying not to laugh the whole time we were getting uh, chastised by Bishop Nyberg. Well, it was, what was funny is on the other side of that is I kind of thought it was funny too and I thought it was kind of, you know, you guys would walk down that far and then Mooney, but then all the parents didn't think much of it. Either. They're, like, they're like, yeah, my kid did that. But, you know, I just thought, well, I'll just let her ride. Yeah. I remember that meeting at the very end. And everyone was just like, I don't want to see any of your hairy butts again. And we yeah. all just died laughing. But, uh, you know, yeah, that was up that same canyon. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, also, that camp where we had everybody come up that night, the scout committee, the 11 year olds and stuff, and we all had those tinfoil dinners and. You guys were eating pheasant and rabbit and venison. Yeah, and I love them. Gary Curtis had a big elk steak, and uh, John Graff 
looks around and goes, I didn't know I had to be a member of the Daniel Boone Club to come up here. He just brought up a can of pork and beans. <laughs> yeah. What is a, a, a big lesson that you've learned in life? Like if you could teach a lesson. Patience. And, well, patience starts off, first of all, with there's things develop in, in life, and they're not always at the speed that, that you want them to, to develop at. Um, you know, we all have our expectations. Like, you know, growing up, if you asked me at 14, matter of fact, when I was going to get my patriarchal blessing, the, the patriarch goes, what do you want to do when you grow up? I'm going to be a running back for the Dallas Cowboys, and I'm going to, re- I'm going to replace Tony Dorsett. He looked at me like, oh, okay. Um, two years later, it's like, I want to play basketball for the Philadelphia 76ers, and I want to get there before Julius Irving retires. <laughs> Dr. J, and I'm like, you know, so you have those weird expectations of growing up and that, but I think uh, as you get older and you realize that, Life is a little more complex than what you see as a kid. You you realize that you there's the time to make decisions and there's times where you don't where you can hold off a little bit. You know, you I learned in playing basketball that you can you can make an awful lot of decisions in three seconds. And you think, well, one, two, three, and you're done. That's a lot of that's not a whole lot of time. But yet on the court it's that's a lot of time on that. Sometimes you have to be patient to let things develop like, you know, what what career do I want to go into? What girl am I dating and and where do I want to go with that? Sometimes you can see uh, things like, oh, I make a decision in a snap second and that's a no-brainer. Sometimes you need to make a smart decision and and you need to let a certain amount of time pass on that. Um, With your kids, you want to see them do something, you know, right away because they're your kids. You love them. You want to have them go in the right direction. But, you know, you've got to let them develop and make some mistakes and, and be messy. I guess that's a, that's a phrase that I've learned uh, from, I think it was Bonnie Corden. She gave a, a she's a young women's general president. And she, she talked about the youth program. And, you know, you just, it's it's messy. They've got to get in there and make some mistakes, trip and fall down. You just can't go in there and do things for them. They've got to learn things, you know, so you have to be patient to let those things develop. With Jacob, when he was my youngest son going through cancer treatments, you know, your, your heart just says, man, i got to have a miracle happen, and he's got to get healed right now. The reality is you didn't know if he was going to be healed. That was a stage four life-threatening cancer. And how um, old was he when that happened? Two. So, you know, we went through all of his treatments, learned about a bunch of medicine, learned how to do a lot of different things. Um, Some things were out of your control. Like if he got a fever and his immune system's not not up because of the chemo, you just got to, okay, we got to go to the hospital. Yeah, we got to go to the hospital. How long is this going to take? I don't know, you know. So uh, patience of letting... Things develop, letting, you know, I'll bring in the religious aspect of that. You know, do you, are you listening to the Lord talk to you? It's, it's, it's not the loud 
trumpet voice. It's just this little, small, quiet voice that says, okay, today is going to be a long day. Today, some cool things are going to happen. Um, it's just uh, patience just to, to watch and see things develop and know that you can make a decision if you need to quickly. Or maybe I should just wait this out a little bit and see what the Lord's going to tell me his time is and how I need to react with that on that. So that's, that's one, it's one of the big lessons I think I've learned is just patience to watch, to listen and just see how you need to act on that. Not perfect daddy yet. That's my wife. She'll tell you I need to (laughs) need some work, but uh, you know, that's, that's one of those big lessons. What pushed you to think about, like patience or, or what have been, obviously it seems like through Jacob's disease, you were forced to be patient in a way, like through some of your life experiences. I, yeah. So life experiences, you know, even if Jake hadn't gotten cancer and stuff like that, you, you have, uh, you know, your marriage relationships, you have uh, work, you know, I, I was one of those guys that when I knew I needed to go on a mission, and I did, but I had no plan for life after that other than my dad always told me, hey, you know, go to college, get a degree, someone will pay you some really good money, you'll meet a really nice girl, you get married, and, you know, life will work out fine. I said, I'm all right. So, you know, that sounds pretty so awesome. <laughs> I get, got home and, you know, went to school, and, and uh, uh, BYU lost my Pell Grant, so I like well, they're not very smart. <laughs> and then my mom was a school teacher, and I was making more at Big O at, than she was as a school teacher. I'm like, going, oh, she's got a college degree. Why do I need a college degree if I'm making more as a tire buster? But I didn't realize that, you know, in my hubris, arrogance of youth, that you start out, and then some of these really good careers start graduating their pay scale and benefit scale as you go. And I'm thinking, not of that at all. I'm thinking, well, I'll just go do this. And I realized late that, man, I screwed myself over pretty good. So I just started, okay, what do I need to do for money and how am I going to make things work? Then went back to my patriarchal blessing and it said, you know, if you listen to the Lord, he'll tell you where you need to go. And so far that's been true. And it's been, and it's great that maybe, yeah, if I'd have listened earlier, maybe I'd have gotten something to say, hey, do this career. Maybe I'd been into HVAC and stuff a lot earlier. But uh, I went through a lot of different jobs that, at the time, took care of me uh, and my family uh, for what I needed. And then as that kind of faded a little bit, I was able to come into something else and something else. So I've been fortunate. I've been blessed that way. But, uh, you know, patience, once again, is, is, you know, talking with my wife, working things out, um, learning some lessons. Uh, you know, once you trip and fall down... Do you get back up? Do you, you know, brush yourself off? What did I learn? Um, and go about it that way again. So life is really kind of, I think, about learning and being patient and seeing where those lessons learned are one of the biggest things I've, I've learned. Yeah, but it sounds like patience with circumstances and patience with yourself. and But then at the same time, like you were talking about us not being afraid to do something, but you also are not afraid to like, okay, start over, you know, to do seeing like, Hey, this is fading. Let's do something different. Like, yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, I, I don't consider myself like the most brilliant guy, so I'm not like jumping around, you know, thinking I'm an expert and all that stuff. But you, you got to be, you know, you're, you're nervous. You know, anytime, like I remember when I first started uh, High Country Fitness and my repair, uh, service repair after upper limit, you know, kind of faded out. But uh, I remember going out on my first service call and thinking, you know, I know how to fix machines. I really do. And I know how to talk with people and stuff. But then I go out, I diagnose this this treadmill and uh i said you're gonna need a new deck and belt it's gonna cost this much you know i was just feeling pretty good about it and then she goes well i gotta talk to my husband about it It might take a little bit i said okay well i need my trip charged for you know 65 bucks so she gives me a check for 67.83 which was that plus tax (laughs) and i go out to my car and i realize 67 dollars and i still gotta make i gotta somehow come up with payroll i went went over bushes and went (laughs) so you and at that I time, I just spent two hours with this lady. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like going, I got to do how many sixty-seven dollars? You know, did to make this work? And and uh, um, and I found out I'm not the only one that did that as a new business owner. But you know, sometimes reality hits and you go, oh, I got to do this. But you, you can't be afraid of, of new challenges. You know, um, it's scary, uh, but I think if you really approach it, you can do whatever you need to do. On that, you just got to have the mindset that I, you can learn and you can do it. And there's then there's time, even though, like you say, you start something out and you want to be really good at it really quick. But you just each day you've got to make sure you pace yourself and 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 you're not overstressing yourself as well. Like that sounds like it just plays back into the patience thing. It's like yeah, in some things you're not going to be an expert right overnight. But day by day, the things that you were worrying about a week ago, it's like oh. I don't even worry about that thing anymore. Now it's on to the next thing until you continue to progress. And well, I think that those all just kind of tie into each other. Well, look at this way. You you guys have all, how many, you got how many kids? Two. Two. Three. three. I got three. So your first kid is like a learning experience. My dad always called me, hey, you're my guinea pig. You know, and, okay. So I called my first kid the guinea pig. But, you know, you, you, you work through that first kid and sometimes it's a little you're you're anxious you're nervous and you're, but by the second kid you're like ah okay go play in the mud yeah. you know kids are like pancakes you're always going to screw up the first one yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, or your first batch of bacon yeah. Yeah. or uh, that was another thing <laughs> that's a repetitive every young men's group first batch of bacon oh you burned it <laughs> Who burns bacon? <laughs> but uh, Sven likes it really crispy. <laughs> so does uh, some other guys, I know. But, uh, but, you know, you just, I don't know, patience is just one of those lessons in life that if you, you're, you're never going to get done learning it, but it seems like the faster you kind of get that idea that you things make more sense on that. So... For me, that's that's one of the biggest lessons learned, and I'm still kind of learning. Every time you turn a new chapter in life, that that's something you start that little. I'm going to do this really good again, or you get your anxiety up, or something like that, and you just got to no back off. I got to work through this again. So, As I, I mean, you mentioned a little bit with um, the relationship with your wife. Is how does patience been a factor in that? Well, you know, anytime you put two people together you're not going to get a carbon copy. And, and if you do agree on everything, sometimes you're like, well, no, that's not really fun. But matter of fact, we were, Shirley and I took a, a small trip this Friday night and 
and we just do things differently. It's like I'm a little bit country, I'm a little bit rock and roll. Well, she's a lot country, I'm a lot rock and roll. And we, we do things differently, but sometimes we just, we do like to do the same thing. So we, we kind of gel that way, but we have to like figure out, okay, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? Um, and as you, I don't know, you just have to talk it out on that. And sometimes you're not, I'm not very good at talking things out sometimes. And so like, I'll just like harbor some things and she'll, she'll speak her mind a little bit more freely. And I'm like, well, that was pretty bold. But, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, um, any, but even if, I don't know, you just, you just have to know that someone's going to do something differently. And you've got to, and if you love them, then you see how that goes. And there's more than two ways to skin a cat on that. But sometimes you have to say, okay, that one way was just really kind of weird, but I'll let it go on that. If you can work with me doing it this way um, on that. And and as you have kids and and uh, other dynamics come into to play, you know, you, you, you get new experiences and that brings out new emotions and new, new things. And, you know, like, uh, our first kid, you know, um, guys really don't get taught about, Hey, when your wife goes through this big change, when you're, they're pregnant, you've got to kind of react a certain way or, or treat them a certain way. I'm just, my dad didn't tell me anything. And just like, mm-hmm. Cheryl's emotions changed. And I went, I have no response for that. <laughs> I'm not my God. I, I, I can't relate with that shifting of emotions. How do I deal? She goes, you know, I don't know why I'm bad. And then she'd get angry because she's sad and stuff. And I'm like, going, I, I'm totally in a weird place. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you have to learn to be a little bit more charitable. Um, you have, it, it, you know, it took me a while and now I'm, I don't know if I was the best at it, but now I can look back and say, CJ, now when your wife feels this way, just say, okay, I'm going to help you out the best I can. You know, he's, so hopefully you teach your kids better than you did on your own. But um, yeah, uh, relationships, patience, just to see how things develop. And, and before you say anything that you can't take back, um, you know, think about some things and, and uh, how you're going to respond to that. That's, it all kind of goes that way. And now that we're looking forward to empty nesting a little bit more, we're like all the commotion in the house is dying down and we find ourselves alone and like, maybe we should get to know each other better. <laughs> so, but yeah. So I don't know. Patience is one of those things in relationships, work. It just kind of plays in. Love it. Yeah. yeah. Um, something I, we kind of talked about this before, but, uh, uh, you and I were talking a little bit ago and there's been a lot of things in the news about like, like the church was in, in the news because of this AP article that came out, uh, about a bishop down in Arizona. And, um, like a lot of times like LGBT stuff that's coming out. And so I asked you. How, how's everything going as a bishop? Like, you know, you, have you had people asking you about these things? And I was really surprised by your response because I was just kind of asking you about a bishop, expecting you to have more answers about those things. But then can you kind of go back into what your answer was? And maybe we can say, expound, we can and, expound yeah, on Yeah, go into yeah. what your answer was of what people actually were coming to you with. Then we can kind of talk about that. Yeah, I, I really haven't been challenged with 
and this like is, the, the media things. And this is your second time as bishop, right? No. Were you bishop in the singles ward for a while, or were you I, in the bishop prick? I was in the high council in oh, the young okay. single adult stake. Um, which we, I, we did interact with the bishops yeah, quite a bit. I thought I remember for a time that you were like, you know, it's like Brian said the singles ward yeah, for, for, yeah. for a while. Three and a half years. Uh, I was in the high council in the young single adult stake. And, uh, I was like a third counselor to the, to the bishop. And I did get, uh, apprised of a lot of different things going on, on that. Um, you know, and as in a high council, unfortunately, you do sit in on dis- disciplinary actions if they get to a certain level. Um, and then you s- did get to sit in on reinstatement actions too. So if someone went through the repentance process and, uh, then you got to be part of that. And that was pretty sweet. On that, but this is my first oh, okay. actual bishop. Because my question would be like, is it different now than you know, fifteen years ago or uh, another times? But I guess um, I don't know. You know, I can yes. say say yes. <laughs> it is it is different. The social media is heightened a whole lot more. You know, you go back fifteen years. I think it was what space t- MySpace. MySpace. Yeah. yeah, I I don't do social media, so you have to. You know, I'll refer back to AOL. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I think with the social media increase and the such a barrage of of good information, bad information, I think uh, things have drastically changed. You do have to be a little more careful about what you say and who you say things to. Um, I haven't been hit so much. In my ward, I haven't, but I, I have had... A in-law relative asked me if what I'm going to say if a young woman came up and asked me if she could pass the sacrament. Um, I had I thought she was kidding, so I gave her just this kind of a smart aleck remark, and then I realized she wasn't kidding. So I said, "Oh!" And then my brother-in-law was sitting over there. That was his mom, and he's like, going, "Oh no!" But uh, um, he didn't expect that, and she's been kind of off on the left wing for a little bit, but. So I explained, said, hey, you know what, if someone did have that question, I would have to invite them in my office and we'd have a talk about, you know, priesthood, responsibilities, the handbook of the policy and procedures and stuff, and and then uh, have an increase of understanding of how things work. On that, she goes, well, get ready, it's coming. I said, okay. So that's my that's my experience that way. But what I, I am getting uh, a lot of is a lot of single sisters or older couples and stuff for being, they're really afraid of what's going on on that, but they're feeling isolated, you know. Okay, single sisters and older couples are afraid of what's going on in, in the world. In, in, in what specific? Like, um, and, uh, some of the older, uh, like the older couples are afraid of, uh, they, they hear a lot of different information. And so they're like going, am I going to lose my retirement? Also, it's like, what may be going on, like in the socioeconomic, like yes, in yeah. our country, in yeah. politics? or they, they also are, I feel like I'm abandoned sometimes. Um, I'm alone. I don't know where my resources, uh, you know, like I had a sister come up to me and she said, I I don't know what to do. I've had this leaky faucet. So she's just been, she's been living for three months with her water in her bathroom turned off. You know, because she doesn't know what to do. I said, 
talk to me. You know, where's where's your fix that leak? Have you tried fixing it? No. Well, no, but you know, she didn't know who to contact, right. and, and but we've been so isolated with COVID. Everyone has lost that ability to reach out, and then even then, like uh, we used to tease in the singles ward because, like, I walked in one day into the lobby, and here's two guys sitting on their phones, and this this the uh, bishop walks up and says, "What are you doing?" And he goes, oh, we're just uh, having a conversation. And I go, what are you? And I was kind of watching it. And then he goes, who are you talking with? And I said, well, this we're guy. actually, we're, yeah. <laughs> so right next to him, between you know, like two, and then there was another dude. I found out they're having an Eldos Quorum presidency meeting. And they're all in the same building, but they wouldn't talk to each other. And so now we're having Relief Society meetings and quorum meetings over Zoom or just on text messaging, but we're not getting anything done because we don't talk to each other. And so people have lost that ability to reach out. And it's just kind of funny. Like it's only, it was like two year period of time, but we lost 50 years of, of dealing with each other in, in two years. And I don't know. It's just, it's just took a bizarre twist. Um, the youth today are like, I, if I go there, am I going to get sick or am I going to, you got germs or, you know, you got, I'm like, guys, it's, we're on a camp. You're going to get some dirt on your tent. You know, it's like, Ooh, you know, so it's, it's really the mindset is is totally changed. Um, people are more aware. Uh, they, they look intro introspectively and say, what am I missing? I feel like I don't have this blessing or I don't have this blessing or I don't have this uh, promise fulfilled. So am I lacking? Why don't, why doesn't the Lord love me? It's just, you're dealing with those issues more, I think, than what we did in the past on that. So those are some things to change that I noticed um, that I'm, I'm working with a little bit more rather than I hope I don't have to deal with a lot of, um, a lot of, social media type rhetoric on that. But if so, we'll deal with it. How has it been? Um, like, Cause you've lived, you've lived there for over 20 years. Like, yeah. you've, you've known these people for a really long time to go from, you know, a member of the neighborhood. You just live around, but now you're like that religious leader to these people. Has it been a really big learning curve to you? Was it harder than you thought it would be easier than you thought it would be? <sighs> There is a big learning curve because, like, I've always just been like in the young men's. You know, I, I think I've kind of had supporting roles as far as church leadership goes, but I felt like I was in good places. But and then the last calling I had before the bishop, I was in the stake young men's presidency, which I loved. I never wanted to be released from that. When I got called into the bishop's office or the stake presence office, hey, we'd like you to be bishop. You just like going. Oh crap. You know, and then that whole thing goes, okay, I am the ward's spiritual leader. I am the temporal uh, welfare, uh, physical, uh, moronic priesthood leader. I've got to be over the Relief Society. I'm the young men's president. I oversee the young women's. I'm dealing with the primary. It, it, it was kind of overwhelming for a little while. So I went in and I just started reading the, the, the handbook. You know, what do I got to do? What do I got to do? I had one night where uh, I was up from 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. 
And it was kind of a cool experience and uh, where I just received personal revelation and I just sat down and I was just, the spirit was just telling me I got to do, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. I don't have to worry about this. I can delegate this. And so I got a total confirmation of what I could do. So it kind of relaxed me a little bit, but then the next Sunday I, I get this call after I got sustained. We got kicked out of our house and, and we're living on the street. What can we, I'm like, Oh, I have no experience in this whatsoever. And then when I started listening to some of the uh, people coming in and that have some, you know, some emotional issues and some trauma from past uh, relationships and stuff, uh, that's where you start feeling, oh, that's where you feel underprepared. And that's where the learning curve starts kicking up on that. But luckily, you have some spiritual inspirations and you have some resources you can go to. Um, so I think you ramp up somewhat quick, but I think about every other month you get a new twist on that. So by the time you're five years, average term is, I think you're like, that's why your hair's gray. But, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. But I, but Bishop, if you, I think if you like look at each person in your ward and say, you're cool. I just got to figure out why, you know, and I love you. And what are your talents and where can I help you out? And you're my brother. You're my sister. That makes it a whole lot easier rather than saying, um, I'm just an administrator. I think that's the biggest difference. So like, it, like today was a big day. Um, I went and saw a lot of people and we're, we're dealing, I don't know if you guys know this, but Austin Wesley passed away today. Yeah, yeah, we saw that. Thing. He passed away um, heartbreaking. So dealing with that and some other things like that, it, it can be kind of a longer day, but the, the inspiration and the energy pickup is because you talk with people, you find out what they need, um, and then you just you give them a hug. You know, at the end of the day, and just say, you know what, you're you're cool with where you're at. And let's see if we can just help make things be a little bit better tomorrow on that. So it's not as hard in some areas, I, but some areas can be a little, little taxing sometimes. But most of the time, if you say, I'm going to try and make your life better, then, then that's where it, it's more of a relief than a burden. I can't believe people say yes to being bishop, though. <laughs> it's so, it is so scary. Uh, yeah, because like they, they come in. Because, like, you know, the first time, the second time I got called to be a counselor in the bishopric, um, the counselor in the stake presidency met with us, and he goes, usually all three of us are in here for this type of calling. And I'm like going, well, this is big. You know, and Cheryl's like going, oh, She's like, we're thinking he's going to be called to be a bishop. And I'm like, no, I can't be called bishop because it's just a counselor. I need to stay president to do that. She goes, you know, he smokes, he drinks, he beats me. <laughs> he beats me. <laughs> and our kids. He, go, he goes he and our kid cancer. <laughs> he, he goes and gambles. And the counselor's like going, Shirley, what are you thinking we're going to call it? I don't know. I just don't want him to be bishop. <laughs> and uh, I said, so cool. and he goes, no. He goes, no, it's not going to be that and I said she was okay anything else I can handle but you know when this time I, I kind of had an inkling that it was going to happen and, and so I was kind of just in the back of my mind saying yeah and uh, yeah they, all three of them were there and they 
And the state president looked at him and goes, um, this is going to be a pretty a serious meeting. I said, okay. He called me out and we talked for a couple second, a couple minutes about some things and came back in and then she was like, oh, are you okay? I said, uh, I don't know yet. Mm-hmm. But uh, they, yeah, they extended uh, the calling of Bishop and they had a letter from the first presidency. They, you know, they, they'd done a background check and approved me and everything like that. And, is that new? No. No, every every time a bishop's called, that name goes to the first presidency and they, they well they, they don't the do like check they don't do like a legal background oh, check. Okay. They just look and say, Okay, he hasn't done anything in the past that's going to that looks like he's gonna be a loose cannon or do something that that would be wrong. And so and then they do their, their prayer and their this stuff like that, and they pray about it and get inspiration, and then they write the letter back on that. So mm-hmm. you, you get you get the review on that. And and just to have that letter saying, we reviewed you, you know, as a first presence, you're just like going, oh, wow, okay, that's pretty heavy. But, uh, yeah, and then, then you talk about the responsibilities. And so, like, we had this training meeting with my counselors, and so they took me, you know, when you sign on to uh, churchofjesuschrist.org and you, you sign on and then you can go into my calling and they have a couple different things for you. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the stake president did something cool. They, they took mine and then they updated my calling to, to Bishop. And then all of a sudden, I, instead of having three little tags, I had 20. It's like a <laughs> thing. Yeah. And my wife goes, oh, <laughs> And my counselors go, what happens when you change ours? And I go, absolutely nothing. <laughs> so I'm like going, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. It's fun, but it's it's got its challenges. And, and the church is redoing their their web or their, their whole deal there on, online. So it's kind of hard to find some things sometimes. And I log on and I put in my things. You don't have any credentials to be on this page. So, I'm the bishop. Why can't I? <laughs> don't but, ask questions. Uh, okay. And then I refresh it and it goes, you're good. You know, I'm like, okay. That's so cool. it's just kind of, it's got some interesting quirks to it, but it's good. I think that's, I know I, <clears throat> I, I called you months ago because I was like, man, I work with the deacons, like the 12-year-olds, and it's just taking so much of my time, and like I would rather go to my kids' soccer games, and I remember calling you just for that little thing, and you and I hadn't talked, I think, for a while. Like, no. we, we would randomly, every few years, probably just kind of yeah. pop into each other, yep. and then I remember just feeling like, I should just call Brian and ask him, like, what should I do about this life balance? And he kind of talked me through, and it was like just Wednesday night things, and I think it was like that weekend... Or maybe two weeks later, they were like, hey, uh, they asked me to be in the bishopric, and I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. But I feel like everything that we had talked about really helped me have peace with making that decision, like, weeks before. Um, and I think that's probably why I was so excited to have you come tonight, because, like, my parents, they split up when I was 12, and my dad moved away to Washington, and I'm just not, I'm not, to this day, I'm not close with him. Yeah. And so I had... I think I was super lucky and I've said it in a way that I don't mean it to be offensive to my dad, but I, I was really grateful that I had, I didn't learn to be a husband and a father from him. I had examples in the ward and like my grandparents were close by, but I had friends, dads that were good examples to me. And so as I've you know gotten older, I've reached out to different people for different things, but I was like, I don't, I just want some advice 
and I don't trust my dad's advice. Who would I call? Like you were just the person I wanted, to, I wanted to talk to, and I was really grateful for those. Like it's just, it's just cool to know that someone that was in my life twenty years ago was just a young men's leader that just said yeah to calling to these punk kids that years later I could still reach out and yeah. be like, hey, I got a question. Can you just give me some advice? And even in that day, you were you weren't telling me what to do. You were just like, yeah, you know, just. Just do, I don't know, just think through it and, and do what feels best. And I think just having someone to talk to was super helpful to me. And so I've, like, I've appreciated you for decades um, now that I'm 36 and <laughs> feeling all father-like. And <laughs> You're getting, 36. Getting, getting wow. <laughs> you know, uh, dads are, are never uh, perfect. Like I, when my dad passed away this year, I spoke at his, his funeral and you know, my dad tried to be the best dad he possibly could, so I, I had to respect him for that. But I think a lot of times there were some key lessons I learned from my dad from him doing it the wrong way. <laughs> um, like, I, I think I'm, I, I do well at fixing things because he, he just never had tools. You know, it was like I have a, a flathead screwdriver, a crescent wrench, and maybe a hammer. And go replace the steering column in the truck with that. I'm like, well, what? So I'm like, <laughs> okay, good tools, you know. I love to hunt and, and get outside. But when we went out, it was like, okay, put on your red cap. And then you have your gun and three bullets and a knife and a rope around your... I'm like, okay. So that's what I was raised doing. And then I started... What's the rope for? To drag your deer out. Oh, but, that makes sense. But <laughs> now, you know, as I get older, I might go learning. Okay, I can bring water. I can bring food. <laughs> there are there are better knives out there. I can carry more than three bullets. Um, I have other like backpacks that I can bring fire starting kits with, and uh, maybe an emergency blanket, first aid kit. <laughs> you know, so I'm. And, and then binoculars, you know, like, hey, there are some really cool binoculars out there. I can, because my, my dad would go, why did you bring those? Well, to see if it's a buck or a doe. Oh, why? Because you're always, you don't know. You're always looking at it. I don't know. But, uh. He's, he's shooting does all the time. <laughs> well, no, he's like, doesn't shoot because he doesn't know. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, so, but, you know, he taught me some really cool lessons in, in a, in a, on this, you know, it, the right way, but, you know, dads will always, I always have a, like, a, just my dad's like, okay, we'll just look the way he does it and look at the way someone else does it, compare the two and see what happens. But, but yeah, it's, it's, when you, when you, when you call me, that was pretty cool on that. And I look at you guys, you know, you're, you guys have grown up, you've got your families and, and, uh, you know, I have no idea what you guys are going to choose for, for professions and stuff, but, you know, you're, you're an accountant. Yeah. And, and uh, you're a dentist, and uh, Sven's a dentist. And to me, I never would have expected a dentist to come out of any of you guys. <laughs> but and it's not that I didn't say, okay, they're just going to – I don't know what job they're going to have, but you guys have done really well, you know, and that and your families are, are great, and it's just fun to watch you guys grow up and, and – and, evolve into, into these cool guys. So, um, yeah, you always hope that you, you've influenced someone to do something on that, but uh, um, just when you when you guys call and say, hey, let's, that that's makes my day. On that, so. Cool. No, Matter of fact, yeah. 
I was going to tell you, Gonzo. Yeah. A long time ago, you were teaching Joe some Spanish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so... Probably inappropriate words or something. Oh, you'll love this story. <laughs> yeah. So I picked I picked up on some. So like I was in this building, we're 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 helping build this new wing at the Huntsman Center, and we I, I had to go up to the top floor um, with another guy, and we're going to install a cooling system for the mechanical room for the elevator. And this room, this this wing is is not developed all the way yet. So they have porta potties, these the honey buckets on wheels rolled in on the second. Fourth, uh, all the way up to the eighth oh floor. So about noon, after these things have been used, the, the draft from the building comes up, and and at the top floor in the elevator room, you're like going, you know, <laughs> this, this is reeks. And uh, we come up, and uh, and we're carrying our tools, and they got some guys that are doing some drywall, right? And uh, and they're uh, they're they're Spanish speaking, and. And uh, they're, they're like, oh, and we're like, oh, oh yeah, because the breeze come up. And I go, and they look at me and I go, El Baño Grande. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I just remembered, and they just busted up. They just died laughing. <laughs> and uh, that, was, that was my best Spanish, so thank you. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So I learned a lot from you guys. <laughs> I had... I don't know if you want to talk about something else, but I have I'm I good. have a fun story. Do it. Okay, this is another thing. So, one of my favorite memories with you is I I always tried. I was always trying to do dates on the cheap, like as a as a, a teenager, you know, because I was always broke. Yeah, but one of uh, one of, and it's actually one of my f- most fun like date experiences or, or memories that I had from high school. It's like, okay, for a dance, let's have dinner at uh, Brian's house. And oh, they yeah. could just make us a whole bunch of steaks. We're just <laughs> like, we just put you on the spot. We're like, hey, can you just make us a whole bunch of like uh, elk steaks or, or, or deer steaks? It was like, and I remember it was great. And you guys like made... It, you guys made the living room. It was kind of like a little restaurant. It was a it was a really fun experience for me. Yeah, we I went. You guys told me what your budget was, so <laughs> I didn't ha- I would didn't have any elk steaks that year. So I, we went to the store and bought some really nice steaks. Oh, okay. And then uh, yeah, I grilled them for you, and then Shirley made uh, potatoes and vegetables and stuff, and then she put that. Uh, uh, line out and just and put a curtain up yeah, in, in the kitchen yeah. mm-hmm. so you guys had the dining area all to yourselves <laughs> and, and you wouldn't see the kitchen and then she, we would just bring out whatever we, you know was and that was kind of funny <laughs> just to watch you guys do that but you know you know that was a that was not an expensive date but it was kind of fun I think to watch you for or was it just you three was, I was Sven, Sven? I don't think Sven, was Sven, Sven wasn't, wasn't in there, there yeah, yeah. Yeah, to watch you three in your dates, that was just, uh, that was, I wish I had that on video. <laughs> the first time you saw us with girls that weren't Susie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it would have been some good blackmail material. Yeah. I think we were on our best behavior that you, night. <laughs> you guys did pretty good. Uh, you didn't stick to everything that Sue Ma tried to teach you in the, uh, in the uh, etiquette, etiquette night. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you guys didn't dip your soup spoon in the right way, but uh, you know, you guys did good. I'm sure Gus did not fart during dinner. <laughs> I'm sure he did. Yeah, I'm sure he didn't care. He's probably proud of it. You know what? Yeah, but that, that was, you know, that, that, once again, that was fun. 
A, because I got to see you guys with with some other girls and stuff, and that was fun. But it was just, you know, like I said, you guys were my boys. I was going to help you out, whatever I was going to do on that. So, uh, yeah, those, those, those events were pretty fun. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's, that's, yeah, that's one of my favorite, like, memories of you guys at your house. And obviously, like, we, Steve and I would just drop by sometimes and play with your kids. All the time. Yeah. yeah sometimes you guys drop by and we just sit and talk in the front yard or backyard. Yeah. Yep. You were in a video once. Like, we were making this video about Gonzo, like, bad things. Like, he's, it, the video started out with him being a jerk to everyone. Yes. And then yeah. it, like, switched back <laughs> and, like... You were out just doing yard work and Gonzo runs up and like messes with you and then all of a sudden, I think you had... <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember this? Like, yes, yes. I did. <laughs> Embarrassingly, I did. Yeah. Somehow, I don't know if you attack him or somehow Gonzo gets pushed on the ground and I would run up and I would kick him in the butt. Yeah. <laughs> but in your particular one, I kicked him and I kicked him like right in the balls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. You were you were being an idiot, and, and then uh, then I I got mad at you. And then that was a brawl, but yeah, you kicked him in the balls. And then, oh my gosh! Yeah, I would always make silly videos and stuff. So that was fun. Yeah, yeah. it was just fun. Like you were you were involved in like our life, right? Yeah. You were there, and you were someone that we could talk to. You were someone that would teach us. We you created a relationship with us where we felt comfortable being completely ourselves around you. We were, I don't know. I, I tell people when I was growing up, I feel like I was a dumb kid, but I didn't do like, I didn't do bad stuff. I just did dumb stuff. And I feel like we, well, we did a lot of random funny things, but I feel like we were able to be 100% ourselves around you. Yeah. We didn't have to, Oh crap. Like Brian's around. We got to be on our best behavior, but because of the way you treated us. You didn't treat us like we were dumb kids. You treated us like, hey, you know, you treated us with respect and it was reciprocated. Yeah. I feel like. You know, um, you, I, the whole goal with me being a young men's leader was to help you guys learn what it means to be an adult. And, and you have to do that honestly. You, you can't fake that relationship. And so, you know, I think you guys appreciated more like if you guys were doing something stupid, I could say, guys, that was kind of dumb. Right. You know, it was an honest thing. You go, oh, okay. But then if you did something great, you know, and you got applauded for it, you know, that, that, that's, that was rewarding too. Because I, I love watching, like, uh, I love watching young men excel. You know, it's, it's cool to watch them to do that. There's a, a, a young man in our ward that has a, a speech impediment. And they decided they were going to do a play for the Christmas party a couple of years ago. And, and uh, they he... Yeah, I thought, okay, he's going to be on stage in front of the whole world. He's going to freeze. You know, he didn't. You know, he went through the whole thing and, and did great. And I just, uh, I bawled. I was, I was so proud of him. You know, that's one of the, once again, that's one of my guys, you know. Um, but you guys, you, you got to be involved with, if, you, if you're going to be a, a leader or do something, you know, you just got to be honest with you. With you. You've got to be yourself. And, Man, if you can't be yourself, if I was restrictive with you guys and say you can't do that, can't do that, you guys would be, oh, screw that, man. i got to get out of this atmosphere. But you guys grow on your own if you're able to kind of figure out who you are. You know, and if there's any false pretenses, it doesn't work on that, so. Yeah. I think it was all genuine. It, it, it was awesome. Oh, I, I yeah. Uh, I, I can't replace your mom and dad. 
you know, you can't. I, that's, yeah, that's not my job. Okay. <laughs> well, but, but can that, you? that wasn't my intention. But, but you know, the thing of it is, is, is every time you guys had a uh, an event, you know, uh, that meant a lot to me. You know, whether whether you guys like had a hard time with something or whether you had a success with something, I, I kind of went that with. I felt like I went that through that with you. So, uh, um, yeah, I just kind of went along with you. And I was really glad that, that when you guys got older, you know, I, we went from the teacher's quorum to the priest quorum, uh, elder's quorum. You guys went on your missions, came back. I was in the bishopric. I, I even got a shot at the high council to teach or to speak in your guys' singles word, even though it wasn't in that yeah. stake yet. You know, I think that was the fourth talk I gave that day. Um, <laughs> so I was like, man, if I'm... If I fall asleep during my own talk, it's because I'm a high ca- I'm a high priest. I'm in the high council. This is my fourth talk, so I may put myself to sleep. But um, yeah, it Everybody was just. Loves those <laughs> I just was glad that I could, um, you know, watch you guys and be part of you guys growing up because that was that was a fantastic adventure. I still, you know, when you you sat uh, you sent me a text once while you were sitting in state conference. And you uh, said, hey, thanks for being my young men's, you know, everything I've done for you. I saved that text and I showed, because I was just got called to be the stake young men's first counselor and I showed my president. Do you guys know Matt Bardsley? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, he was, Matt, he, he and I got to be really good friends in the young men's presidency and I showed him that text because we were sitting in another state meeting and I said, dude, this is why you are a young men's leader. This is what, you, this is that thing after after you guys get to 18 and above and then you start to see what you guys do and you get a text like that that just makes your that just makes everything you did worthwhile and Matt looks at me and goes dude we need to we showed it the stake present you know shared that with him he goes what did you do I said I I actually didn't really do the scouting program I did what the first presence he wants us to do right now. He was like, sure he had rolls for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So that's still a joke in our house. <laughs> so like, if we go do something, I go, yeah, we're going to have rolls? Why? Because if it doesn't have rolls, it's not dinner. <laughs> you can have beef stew for lunch. And yes. you can have beef stew for dinner. With it, rolls. If there's rolls. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we, we still, we're some rolls. <laughs> So that's the rule at our house is you know if it's if you have a roll it's dinner. So, yeah. So no, but uh, those those moments where I see you know you guys have your your wins and and uh, you know things like that that that's just you know icing on the cake. That's just that's a feel good moment. All right. Well, Brian, I love you. Thank you for coming over, Gonzo, Steve. I love you guys just like the sons I never had. <laughs> Oh, it's mutual. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so this was this was fun. No, yeah, thank you so much. We do. Even if Steve can't make it, we'll we'll make a lunch. We'll we'll hit lunch soon. We'll we have to. Yeah. Matter of fact, we should uh, or a dinner. We should have a, a fire at my house and do hot dogs. And <laughs> yeah, stuff I'd love to. Yeah. And we can. I mean, Gus is still around. We yeah, I know. Bring our I, or matter whatever. of fact, I ran into Gus at uh, Johnstone's. Uh, supply yeah. a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we caught up a little bit, and my my uh, supervisor was like, 
you know him? I go, yeah, man. He was one of my young men when I was growing, <laughs> when I was in the scouts. He's like, he's not so young anymore. I said, no, I'm not I'm that old. Yeah, he's a big old gray beard now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That but, beard's getting gray. <laughs> yeah, well, mine's like gray. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for yeah. being willing, like being willing to come in and just chat with us. It's been awesome. Yeah, this has been fun. All right, bye, bye, bye. Steve, we just got done talking to Brian. What are your thoughts? Uh, I loved it. I, I loved it. It was like, great to see him. Great to hear from him. Great to reminisce. Great to hear some of his advice. Like just kind of transport me back into like 16 year old Steve and just like listening to Brian but it's just really fun to maybe the same thing we kind of talked about with Joe like to transition from just like some kid and you're my leader to now we're all adults we we talked a lot before and after just about life and we you know we we've grown up we have kids we have mortgages we have things that were never even on our radar but now we've become friends with these guys that were our leaders before and the thing about Brian, and, and you can say the same thing about Joe too. They are, they're the best of what can, can happen with a ward family, with being in the LDS church, being Mormon. They're the best of that because they are men that have taken time to mentor the, the, the young people around them bring them in into their family and be like serviceful and loving and a benefit to their community around them. Mm-hmm. And talking with Brian, he is still that. He is like the things the the way that he treated us as as our young men leader is the way that he goes about like being a bishop and being um the steward of his of his area. He 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 feels like He's a steward of the area and he gives of himself in, in a surface, serviceful way. And I think, I mean, these guys are, you know, a, a lot of people say about the, the church, like, oh, like, like the church is perfect, but the people are imperfect, you know, like as if the people are like the, the downside of the church. But I think like the people are the best part of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like when a community and it, when it works when it works well, it's when you have these people that are giving of themselves to um, help their community to to really embody what what they believe Christ wants them to do, which is love their neighbors. And I think Brian is that, and you know, I really admire him for for it. I, I admire him for exactly that. Like he allows himself to have like these intimate relationships where it's like you, you're able to get to deeper levels, and he just like talking to him you can tell he's not he's not doing it like trying to get something out of it or, he's not it's not he's just in it because he just loves people or I mean you and I have been around and you know that there's like there are some people that are there is a a, a level of clout or a level of prominence that comes with a leadership with the position in the, like, in the yeah. church and he's not that he is like salt of the earth and the, you know it's like you can say the same thing about Joe too they're like Salt the earth people, like, just, you know, loving their neighbor. People won't be able to grasp the depth of all the things that Brian went through. Like, he moved into that that neighborhood, got put right into the young men's. Like, we were a handful, but he handled it great. And then, like, all of a sudden their two-year-old gets cancer. 
And so they're going through all this stuff. And then like that's, that puts a big like emotional burden and financial burden. And then his business that he was in, like they, they end up going belly up and like you go from that to just really hard thing after hard thing after hard thing. And like he and his wife just, they just navigated those waters and kept through. And it's just, you know, obviously I wasn't there in their moments where they're like, man, this is really hard. Or, you know, I don't know what those conversations looked like. But he's a person that he can absolutely show struggling people empathy. Because it's like, hey, you're struggling with finances. I totally get it. Yeah. Hey, you're struggling with family stuff, like health things. And this, I understand. And he can be someone who can genuinely extend an arm of love and just give you a hug and just be there. Because he knows what it's like to be on the receiving end of that. And I can't think of a better person, like you just said. Like he's not in it for the position or the calling. He's just... He genuinely loves people, especially just young men. I think he just loves teaching and mentoring. And it's like, I'm glad that he's been a part of my life. Like when I got my Eagle Scout, you get that pin that you give to your dad. Like I gave it to Brian Pryor. Like he, he was up there in like my top five men of like, who was my father figure. He's one of those guys. Cause I just really admired the way that he carried himself. I admired the way that he, you know, treated his wife, the way that he was a dad, the way that he was at church. He was just like a really awesome man's man that I always wanted to be like when I was younger, you know? No, absolutely. Me too. Me too. He's been a a great influence in my life. And I've been, I was lucky. I was lucky to, that he was called and he was there. And, and I've, I've mentioned this to you like before, but the things that he has taught me, I still keep in my heart and they're, they're still, you know, they're, I keep them close, you know, yeah. so I really, I, I love them. Yeah, me too. Can't say enough good about him. So glad he came and he came in person, which was awesome. Yeah. So if you are listening to this, uh, you're in the Crescent Fifth Ward. <laughs> 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 or you're Patty Stedman and you like saw that, uh, that Steve shared this on Facebook and you're like, you know what? I want to talk to Steven Gonza. Like, hey, come on, send us a text. Any of you, whoever, yeah. whoever's listening, we'll, we'll talk to you. And we can dig deep on a topic. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Bye.